Welcome back to episode two of the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. What a crazy week of sports. Um, I mean, I was entertained every single game. It was a lot of fun. Yep. It's just Kyle and I today. Uh, Alex uh, kind of forgot he had a midterm tomorrow, so he said if he could sit this one out and we... Us being the lenient people that we are, we let him do it. So yeah. hopefully he's back here next week and we get him back in the studio. You know, we do this for the kids. <laughs> and for the adults. Of course. We do it for everyone. Alrighty. So we're going to start it off with the opener again. Something that we did last week as well. And this is the favorite thing we saw from the weekend or the week, the past week, whatever. Maybe the last seven days since the last time we filmed. So, Skyler, why don't you go first? What was the favorite thing you saw over the weekend? Well, mine's a two-parter. Um, we had Zach Plesak, Indians pitcher, throw the first immaculate inning of the year. Yes, sir. And it, nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts. How crazy <laughs> is it that within one week of starting up this name, someone throws an immaculate inning? That's just crazy yeah. to me. It's crazy. It's indeed crazy. And part two has got to be Justin Herbert's first career start. Goes to overtime against Patrick Mahomes. We'll dive into that uh, a little deeper Fun later game. on. It was. You know, Harrison Bucker's a real uh, god. He's a real deal, man. He's oh, yeah. a real deal. So uh, my favorite thing that I saw all week was the Raiders. They uh, opened up Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Beautiful stadium. Beautiful backdrop behind the torch over there. And they went out. They started to play really, really bad, honestly. They were down 10 nothing. Carr looked bad. And then he started taking some shots and relying on his guys in Waller and Jacobs. And that was big. They, they have many different weapons on the outside. Even though Ruggs only had one catch, he had a couple big or drew a couple big penalties against uh, like Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins, those guys. Lattimore. But some big penalties there. The Saints kind of beat themselves, but they... Raiders had a big statement win against those Saints. Just win, baby. You know Al Davis would have loved to see that stadium. Yeah, and they have a big test going next week, going into New England to play Cam Newton, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots. Oh, baby. Should be a fun one there. Two masterminds of Gruden and Belichick going at it. All righty. So we did this last week as well, which is – our next segment, which is called Where's Your Head At? We're going to run through some games over the weekend, uh, some of the big headlines, and what our thoughts are on those things. So the first thing we saw on Thursday night was Joe Burrow take on the Cleveland Browns. He ended up losing, but Joe Burrow threw 61 passes in that game. He looked good. And if you're a Bengals fan, I think you got to be happy with this performance. Absolutely. I mean, they have a lot of good weapons. You go. You know, I was really impressed with Joe Burrow. 37 for 61. That's a lot of attempts. But, you know, he had five yards per attempt. Uh, he was checking down a lot. He has a new favorite receiver, looks like, in Drew Sample. Just big Drew for Sample fantasy. Drew Sample was big with Osuma going out, or however you say his name. Yeah, Uzama, Uzuma. I mean, I don't really trust Joe Same. Buck on that one, but <laughs> it doesn't really matter. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, the one thing that did alarm me was the fumble in the red zone. Um, you got to get that timeout called in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he, he looked pretty good. I think Cincinnati is 
you know, they're a couple, maybe even one year away from a wild card spot. So for Joe Burrow, you know, he had a good game. And if you're a Bengals fan, you got to be happy with it. I mean, this year you already know that you aren't going to compete for a divisional title or a playoff spot, most likely. And your main objective this year has to be for Joe Burrow to do good. And I think you saw that a glimpse of that on Thursday night on a short week where he played well. He didn't get the win, but, I mean, a loss kind of benefits this team even when Joe Burrow plays good because low pick or high pick, I guess, would be the right way to say it, would mean a lot to this team to add a guy, whether they take a lineman or whoever it may be, a top pick always helps. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's Sewell, the left tackle, or an edge rusher. I would not mm-hmm. be surprised if the Bengals were one piece away. Yeah, they definitely need some defense too. Uh, so talking about com- connections, we saw uh, Joe Burrow find his target or his uh, tight end, Drew Sample. But one of the best combos that we've seen in two weeks is Kyler and D-Hop. What are your ca- thoughts on that one? This is one of the good ones. Um, 22 catches. That's uh, leading the NFL right now for D-Hop and 219 mm-hmm. yards and a touchdown. This team is dangerous. Cliff Kingsbury offense is fast. They run a lot of plays. I mean, I, I think the 49ers are screwed. Again, we'll get back to that later, but this team could go on mm-hmm. a serious Super Bowl run in the next couple of years. Yeah, they got a big team in their division too, also with the Seahawks. Can't forget about them. But what we saw from this Kyler and D-Hop connection could potentially be the best QB wide receiver connection by the end of the year, in my opinion. Usually when guys get a, when they get a new quarterback or get a new big wide receiver, it takes some time to gel, but these guys are going at it right away. We saw how good he was in San Francisco against that defense, and we saw how good he was this week against the the Washington football team's I would say average defense, but they Ooh. looked really well. They looked really really well in that game. I think it's it's they're going to be a real talking point coming down the stretch. Yeah, especially with no preseason. Um, I'm excited to see what they do eight, nine weeks down the road. They could be blowing yeah. teams out by 40. They're, they're going to be fun to watch, and they get to play the lackluster defense of the Detroit Lions this <laughs> upcoming weekend. So that should be fun to watch. So another thing we saw over the weekend was Minshew Mania. He threw a pick early, uh, but ended up playing really well. Had a pick late that was tipped. Do you think this Jags team can compete for that seventh spot in the AFC? You know, Minshew has looked great. 30 for 45, three touchdowns. He did throw a pretty bad pick and then another pick later in the game that was tipped. Um, But the offense has really stepped up this year. James Robinson, the rookie running back. DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault playing receiver and running back. Tyler Eifert, Keelan Cole, of course, is Minshew's favorite target. Um... But I'm going to say no. They don't have a chance for the seven seed. The defense looks horrific. Josh Allen, the first-round pick, has two tackles all year. And their defense is on the field all game long, and he only has two tackles. That's alarming to me, especially with teams like New England, Las Vegas, Pittsburgh, with the great defense this year. Mm. I don't think they get it done. You know, I think they have a good shot to get there. I think it's it's definitely a chance. I don't I don't know if they're 100%, obviously, 
but I think the defense is definitely going to have to be a big part of it. They allowed 20 points against the Colts. Colts looked pretty good up in uh, – or no, they were at home against Minnesota this past weekend. But they looked good there. They did allow 33 points to the Titans. But this Titans offense, when they're clicking, they're something. I mean, we saw what they did against Baltimore last year. We saw what they did against the Patriots last year. When they get rolling, they get going. And it's it's something to see. So you know you're right. Not even uh, the best teams can stop Derrick Henry. <laughs> that's true. You gotta have everybody go tackle that man. Yeah. One good one thing that wasn't good that we saw this weekend was Kirk Cousins. Man, was he awful! I think he threw three picks, and I don't even know if he got into the twenties for completions. But he did not look good. Took a Big loss against the Colts in Indianapolis. I think it was eleven to twenty-eight at the final score. How how do you feel about Kirk and will he be able to lead his team back to the postseason? Kirk Cousins sucks. All right, <laughs> six for seventeen, three picks in the first half. The Jets had this guy agreed to a max contract, and I'm so happy he pulled out. You know, Darnold hasn't looked great. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. a max contract. Doing this in Indianapolis, man, you can't. That's not acceptable. You know, they brought in yeah. Yannick Ngakwe. Um, they've always had a good D-line, but Anthony Barr is out for the year, too. Um, mm. Everson Griffiths is gone as well. That's true. He was in Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. And, you know, I, unfortunately, I picked this team to make the playoffs at 11 wins, and I don't think that's possible anymore unless Kirk Cousins yeah. – you know, plays system football. Really flips a switch. Yeah. And I'm not I, sure if they can play system football in this in this system. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good system. They need Dalvin yeah. to carry this team. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen games like not this bad from Kirk Cousins in the past few years, but we've seen some bad games from him, and he's. He's found a way to bounce back just about every single time. But I don't think he'll be able to bounce back this year. I think this team, based off of the other parts of it, will be able to go 7-9, and nine, maybe 8-8. Eight and eight. But I don't think that that's good enough to get a playoff spot in the NFC. And it's it's going to be concerning in uh, Minnesota to see what they do in the future. they got a lot of good pieces, but I don't think they're ever going to win again with Kirk. You're right. It's alarming. This could be one of the years where they trade for – one of the backup quarterbacks across the league. Like, you never know. I don't know. Man, Josh Rosen. <laughs> I know he hasn't mm, done much. Rosen would be fun to watch. What about Bridgewater? I you know, if Carolina gets a quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah. I think uh, Bridgewater's or Carolina's pretty sold on Bridgewater right now, though. Yeah. As far as until it gets to the offseason. Another thing that we saw this weekend that was not good was the Philadelphia Eagles. How concerned on you on a scale from 1 to 10 if you're an Eagles fan? We said this question last week. We're going to talk about it again. Last week, I gave them a 2. I'm not worried. And I have completely changed my mind. They are screwed. They're done for. Carson Wentz (laughs) threw two picks. He's looked horrible. I think he's thrown three touchdowns, six picks in the first two games. You know, Sanders was good, but the lack of depth at receiver, DB, linebacker, it's not good. I think if they lose to Cincy next week, Doug Peterson could be fired. Yeah. I, I, they definitely need to win this week in Cincy, or I think Doug Peterson definitely has a chance to 
be out of there. And Carson Wentz needs to stop. He's don't. He's trying to do too much. I think he needs to relax, not do too much. When in twenty seventeen, when they were good, they were they weren't playing stressful football. They were just relaxing, having a fun time. He saw how much fun that team was to watch, and I think they need to they need to go back to that. I don't know if they can, but they need to try. You know why and they can't go back to that, Kyle? What did he rely what? on in 2017? His defense. Exactly. It's true. And also another thing that we saw was after the game, uh, <laughs> Doug Peterson was asked, how do you feel about Carson Wentz's uh, regression? And he said, well, that's a good question. He didn't really have an answer for it. And he, it seems like even he's not confident in his quarterback. And as someone that was taken with the number two pick, you need to be confident in him. And I don't think it's a good relationship that's going on over there in Philly. Exactly. We could see Jalen Hurts this year. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. We'll never know. So one thing that was very, very good was Seattle's offense. Do you think that they're a top team in the NFC, or not a top team, the top team in the NFC? Yeah, um, they're up there. You know, Wilson is amazing, of course. Uh, DK Metcalf's a dog going after Stephon Gilmore all game. That was a fun matchup to watch. Very, very fun matchup. But their clock management is very alarming to me. Um, They had a chance to run the clock out on Sunday night against the Pats and they called a play action pass deep Wilson overthrew him and the clock stopped the Pats got the ball back with two timeouts they should have lost that game yeah I think that that last play I I did not think they were going to stop Cam Newton that play seems unstoppable when Cam's in the shotgun and honestly just gets to wait and pick which hole he wants to take but I think they are the top team in the NFC you know they have championship pedigree Russ is debate probably the best QB in the NFC, and he showed that on Sunday night. He made some throws that were like, okay, yeah, maybe him and A-Rod are the only two guys that can make that throw in the NFC. They put up 35 on New England's defense. I'm pretty sure they haven't allowed like 30 points or something like that in two years. I don't think they allowed last year, and I don't know about the year before that, but New England's defense is definitely top-notch. But one thing Seattle needs to be or needs to do better if they want to be the top team is do better on defense. They have Jamal Adams. They have Bobby Wagner. Dogs. That's about it. Those two guys are dogs. They're top tier at their position, if not the best players at their position. But they need to do better. They need to find a way to get pressure on the quarterback. They need to find a way to have better better play by the corners, you know? And you know the problem with that, Kyle, is Marquise Blair and Bruce Irvin just tore their ACLs. That's the yeah, pass rush, and that's the coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they also – I think they did a good job with Jamal, though. They switched him up in coverage or pass rush or whatever he was doing. They, they didn't – they weren't predictable with him, and they used him in a lot of different ways. And I think that's one thing that they need to do to keep uh, offenses off balance. Yeah. And now we're going to take it to halftime. You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right, halftime. We take a break from the top headlines of the week and we just talk about the little stuff that uh, maybe we can help you with. Maybe only mm-hmm. we noticed. Maybe it's something trending. And yeah. at the end, we'll take a look at some tweets. So yeah. 
one big thing I noticed this week was you can no longer challenge pass interference calls. And they're no longer reviewed either. We saw in the Raiders game and on Sunday Night Football, that impacted the game, you know, throwing the ball up deep. Mm -hmm. If someone gets tied up, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. They're going to throw the flag, and that's going to get you a free 40 yards. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, also with the pass interference, like, the challenges last year with it were a complete mess. Like, you saw some players were like, okay, yeah, they should reverse that, like, clearly. And they didn't, or vice versa. And I think, in general, like, just adding it was a mess, taking it out was a mess. I think they shouldn't have done it in the first place. You know, that's the problem with something like this. There's no clear definition of pass interference. There's no clear definition of a pass. That's why you can't change the rules so quickly like this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyways, uh, something a little better than that if you're a Cowboys fan. <laughs> Not for Atlanta, though. I'm sorry. The Falcons choke up 20 to nothing. Second biggest Onside choke. kick, man. Yeah, second biggest choke since the Super Bowl. Yeah. Shades of Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> the onside kick was something there. I mean, the Falcons players just, they just like watch the ball go across the 10-yard line. Or the 45-yard line, but the 10 yards that was required for the onside kick. And they just didn't go for it. You know, they huddled around it, then let the Cowboys player just jump right on top of the ball. And, I mean, I already know the fans in Atlanta are shaking their head right now. You know, the Atlanta defense is really bad. And it was a pretty lucky onside kick. But this does make you wonder, is Dak an elite quarterback? 450 yards. He did have a big game. And I think he had three rushing touchdowns as well, too, right? And three fumbles. (laughs) (laughs) Those were early in the game, though. So at least he made up for it later on. We're going to get into all the injuries a little later. But for now, I have a couple of fantasy football notes. Some guys that can save your league. I mean, me, I drafted Saquon Barkley with the second pick. I'm screwed, right? No. With these guys right here, I will save your season. All right? Mm Mm-hmm quarterbacks me i drafted drew Brees and carson wentz (laughs) what a terrible mistake you know the thing is they're expendable though because i usually don't take early quarterbacks i could drop them without feeling any doubt so i'm looking at guys like gardner Minshew. he's looked other than a couple of interceptions he's looked elite he's been a good fantasy fantasy performer very good fantasy Mm -hmm. performer also, a lot of points. Another guy. A lot of people are overlooking because he's young. Joe Burrow. He threw the ball sixty times last week. You know, yeah. playing a tough. Well, I guess the right word is banged up. Eagles defense. Um, yeah. He could have at least three touchdowns. Fun to watch there. You know, onto There's the something running backs. Jerick McKinnon's only Jack. owned in eight percent leagues, and he's the only Shanahan Jack. running back left. Go get Jet. That's crazy. As right that. now, turn off the podcast. Go get Jarek McKinnon. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another six running carries back. for 100, 100 yards and a touchdown. And one of those carries was on a third and 31. He got 53 yards on it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, thanks, Alec Ogletree. He's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> next running back, Mike Davis from Carolina. 
He had eight catches last week, and McCaffrey's out for the year. Again, you know, if you had McCaffrey. No, McCaffrey's not out for the year. McCaffrey's out for sorry, four to, four six, to weeks. six weeks. See, that's a guy you can't drop, but you can handcuff yeah. this guy, too. Mm-hmm. Pick up Mike Davis, Carolina. Um, on to the receivers. There are none. Sorry. Last running back, Devontae Freeman, is expected to sign with the Giants. Indeed he is. You know, right now, people are hesitant to pick him up because he's not officially on a team yet. But look what happened to Fournette. I mean, I was doubting him, and now he's the lead guy in Tampa. Yeah, he definitely earned that job over the weekend with a couple big touchdowns for them. And that's enough of fantasy football. Um, if none of these guys are available, I'm sorry, your season's over. Uh Let's Go just... get Robert Aguayo. <laughs> Go pick him up. What about Ricky? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kyle, the Jets suck. Yeah, they to, do. I hate to say it. It hurts to say it. I'm a Jets fan. They but... played backups versus backups this week in uh, New York against the Niners. It's already a tough matchup going into it. But, I mean, they got blown out in a game that was Bosa for – a quarter, Solomon Thomas for a quarter, Garoppolo for a half, Mostert for a half, already no Sherman, already no Debo Samuel, already no Kittle. And the Jets just got, they got destroyed. They did. The they offense just, is horrendous. They, at all. they were without Crowder, Mims, Rashad Perriman, Le'Veon Bell. But you know who played good, Kyle? Sam Darnold surprised me. He made a couple nice throws. Yes, he did. He did. Actually, you know, a lot of people will shrug it off because it was with two minutes left, down by 30. But he evaded a sack from Eric Armstead and threw a 30-yard touchdown to Berrios on the run. Mm -hmm. Braxton Berrios is a special teamer. You can't blame Sam Darnold for this mess. You know, he hasn't improved that much. But, yeah. The next point. improve? is Gase needs to be fired. Indeed he does. If they lose to the Broncos, he'll be fired. Moving on to the next point, the Broncos. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry if you're Jeff. Broncos fan, man. Drew Lockout two to six weeks with a sprained AC joint, his throwing shoulder. Jeff Driscoll. Cortland Sutton as well for the year, too. That's right. Cortland Sutton, number one receiver, out for the year, torn ACL. See ya. I mean, a lot of people thought this was going to be a sleeper playoff team. Yeah, they were definitely – they had a chance for that seven seed, but also with Von Miller being out too, it's going to be tough. Yeah, Jeff Driscoll is not good. He didn't look horrible against Pittsburgh, but he still can't move the ball downfield. I mean, he he does have Noah Fant. Maybe that's just lucky, but, you know, they just signed – That's right. I forgot about Jerry Judy, first rounder from Alabama. He's a pretty good route runner. He dropped a couple passes the first week. He did. But That's something to be scary with is the drops. You don't want your wide receivers having that problem. You know, and they signed Blake Bortles today, who, did you know his real name was Robbie Bortles? <laughs> <laughs> Robbie. <laughs> I'm guessing that's a no. <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> and also... Third stringer, Brett Rippon from Boise State is there. I know I might have a little bias. I'm a Boise fan. I've been following Boise since 2009. But come on, he is accurate. He's not going to turn the ball over. they got to give him a shot. No. Don't even. 
put Blake in. Mr. Oh, Bortles. Man, Blake Bortles. <laughs> All right. Uh, now we're going to look at some bad takes we saw on Twitter today. Um, Kyle actually hasn't seen these. It's a little surprise for him. I have not. I've not heard or seen any of these. The first bad take actually comes to us from ESPN.com. <laughs> really? Really? They That's have, a big source. They have the Pittsburgh Steelers not in the top 10. Of their power rankings. That's a tough one. I mean, yeah. the Steelers are a good team. They have a top-tier defense, and they have a pretty good offense, too. Big Ben is back. They have a good two-running-back tandem in James Conner and Benny Snell, and they have a whole bunch of good young wide receivers with Juju leading the way. <laughs> one of my brother's friends actually started Snell over uh, Conner. He had both, and he started the wrong one in fantasy this week. So that's a good one. Also, ESPN has New Orleans over Buffalo, the Rams, Tennessee, and the Patriots. I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard. It is hard to take Drew Brees and the Saints off of that that list. They were so good for so many years. We saw some uh, some struggles from Drew Brees last night, but I guess they're just hoping that or thinking that he can turn around, and go back to his true form. The next one comes to us from Andrew Knight on Twitter. Carson Wentz is talented, no doubt, but this franchise has done zero <laughs> to help him out since the Super Bowl. This franchise is a joke. Well, besides that Super Bowl, I mean, it kind of is a joke. They've always been a little bit of a laughing stock, but yeah, they definitely got to turn things around over there in Philly. You know what made me sad about the Eagles? Not playing very well this year. It's not Carson Wentz. It's not the offense. It's EDP, man. You know he's going to stop making videos about the Eagles? Really? It's so sad. Damn. Yeah. He's got nothing to talk about. Our third bad take comes to us from New Orleans receiver Michael Thomas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. He's active. After the first drive of the game, he tweets, this might get ugly fast, LOL. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing that got ugly was Drew Brees' play in the first half. I mean, he was 9 of 18. Definitely not Drew Brees' forte there, Mr. Monday Night. Yeah, we're going to get back into Drew Brees in a couple of minutes, but uh, the last one I have for you is a hypothetical from Bleacher Report. It was Adam Lefko and Connor mm-hmm. Rogers. Um, hypothetical. Okay. How big of a lead would the Falcons need at halftime for the Chiefs not to come back? Might be 40, man. <laughs> I mean, we saw what Mahomes did last year against the Raiders in Oakland. He's threw four touchdown passes in one quarter. <laughs> I yeah. mean, if he can do that, he could throw seven and a half. I mean, you never know with that guy. And once they get rolling, they are something. That team is so scary. Yeah, Lefko said 35. Connor Rogers said 38. I agree. I would not be satisfied with a 35-point lead. I mean, I would need at least 40. <laughs> it's weird to say it, but... Oh, Falcons, man. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. And that's the end of halftime. So getting back into the where's your head at 
here in the second half. We're going to start it off with a possible MVP candidate through two weeks, and that's Josh Allen. What are your thoughts on him, Skyler? Yeah, Josh Allen looks great. Um, 417 yards. That's the most yards from scrimmage in the NFL right now, I believe. Uh, four touchdowns, no picks. You know, he's looked great. He can run the ball. So powerful. Uh, obviously has mm-hmm. a little fumble issue. but Yeah. It's you know, common in young quarterbacks. Yeah, Sean McDermott and common. the front office bringing in Stephon Diggs was huge. It's a great pickup. Great pickup. Yeah. You know, I think... I think Josh Allen definitely does look like an MVP candidate through two weeks, but I, to solidify him as an actual candidate, I think he does need to continue doing this, like at this level as well, because he almost lost to that Miami Dolphins team. I think the Dolphins are going to have some great wins this year. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're, if they have five or six wins, two or three of those games are going to be against good opponents. And he's always kind of been in like, a one week like wow guy and then the next week he's like this guy did that last week like come on like how did that happen like he's he's a week-to-week basis basis guy but we've seen through two weeks this year that he's the real deal and hopefully he stays like that i hope not (laughs) makes sense for you guy that didn't look great was the quarterback of the new orleans saints last night mr monday night drew Brees. He didn't have his top target in Michael Thomas, as we were talking about, because Michael Thomas was active on Twitter. He was doing his thing over there. But he missed some throws with no pressure, and that's not something Drew Brees does. He threw a pick to Nicholas Morrow that just didn't make sense. I don't know if he didn't see him. I don't know if Nicholas Morrow blended in with the Raiders logo. But he just he completely missed that throw, and that's some things that we don't see from Drew Brees. He picked it up in the second half. He did only have three incompletions in the second half, but a 9-for-18 first is not something that you expect from Drew Brees, especially on Monday night. Yeah, Brees uh, did not look very good. Ever since that injury last year, it seems like he's been under the radar as a declining player. I mean, today you, you couldn't really – it is unfortunate. You know, he's, it's a great story. He almost went to Miami. Mm-hmm. They didn't sign him because his shoulder was all messed up, and he goes into New Orleans and saves the city. You know, but yeah. I think his time is running out. Um, you couldn't really tell at first, but I thought about it last night, and his leading receiver was Kamara. Kamara did have you know, Kamara had, 95 or 93. Yeah, Kamara had six like or that. seven checkdowns, and that's that's not good. And the interception over the middle, what was he looking at? No I clue. I mean, come on, man. It makes you wonder, when is it Jameis time? Huh. <laughs> I think we're still a bit far, a little far away from that, though. I don't know. That'd be pretty entertaining. We're going to see a couple picks like that a game if Jameis goes in there. (laughs) Another thing that wasn't good that we saw over the weekend was the injuries. Probably the worst injury weekend in football in recent memory. And it's really showing that even though we don't like it, we kind of need a preseason. I mean, players are fatigued even... Even though some of the fatigued players didn't get hurt, we saw many people come off in big situations. Like Joey Bosa was out there in some key situations, that, or wasn't out there in some key situations that he needed to be out there for. We also saw seven torn ACLs over the weekend. 
and that's that's not good. Two of them from the NFC champ San Francisco Niners team. Niners team. Do you think that the Niners still have a chance to make the playoffs even with this injury riddled team? You know, Sunday was brutal. Like you said, seven torn ACLs. Um, I did not expect the injuries, but I did have the Niners going nine and seven. Um, so yeah, it is possible they don't make the playoffs or don't win a playoff game. You know, it's just that's how Kyle Shanahan goes. If he can't run the ball fifty times a game, he's kind of screwed. And especially now that the defense has taken a bunch of hits. I mean, Drake Greenlaw, the rookie, had a great year last year, but man, is he just a one year wonder? We see him out on special teams yesterday. Or Got sorry, hurt. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I think they need three players back to be good. That's Kittle, Sherm, and Jimmy. And they they need those guys back soon to be able to compete for a playoff spot. You know, the Niners roster, when they're healthy, is debatably the best team in football. Right up there with the Chiefs and the Ravens. But they're, they're a very, very good football team when they're healthy. And they are the exact opposite of that. We heard that their MRI truck going to their practice facility yesterday actually broke down getting there. So they couldn't even get their MRIs. We saw that the Bosa's confirmed injury wasn't until like late in the night because they... They weren't able to get MRIs because the damn truck, damn truck broke down. So that's something. I do still think that they will compete for a playoff spot. I don't know if they get it, and but I think they definitely need Kittle, Sherm, and Jimmy back if they want to get that spot. And you know the Niners will get back, but when they do, mm-hmm. they might have an empty stadium because all of the Niner fans are going to be in Las Vegas. And, you know, like they were two years ago. They were Raider fans. They just moved over a little bit. (laughs) Jeez, calling them out over there. I am. I am. You know, shout out to Ty Guy. Shout out to to Mikey Dubs. Other than that, everyone's a fake Niner fan. Those are the only two I know. Oh, sorry, sorry. My boy Jack, too. Forgot about you, buddy. What about our boys over at Immaculate Podcast or Immaculate Sports? Yeah, Chavez Samir and Samir and, and Chavez. Those guys are some some Niner fans. Although Chavez was a little happy when Jimmy G went down. He's a big <laughs> Nick Mullins guy. He he wanted to see Nick Mullins in there, not Jimmy. He was he was really upset with how he performed against the Cardinals. So I I don't know if he's excited for it, but he seems excited for uh, Nick Mullins to play. You know, I don't blame Brett. I understand where he's coming from. It's like when we used to have Fitzpatrick and Geno Smith. You know, Geno Smith started out as a starter. He was very limited. He would check down a lot. And even though he's probably more solid at the time than Ryan Fitzpatrick, it was exciting to see a gunslinger come in and take some shots. You know? Mm-hmm. One thing that happened out of the blue was Justin Herbert starting. Skyler touched on it earlier at the beginning of the show, but we saw him come in, and he didn't know that he was going to start until 5, 10 seconds before the game, apparently. the surprise I think that surprise start kind of took away the jitters that you can get from saying, oh, I'm going to be a starter in the game two, three days before, and getting nervous. I don't think he had the chance to even comprehend that he was going to be the starter, so he was just reacting, and he played good. He played really, really good, honestly, for his first start. He did have some bad plays. The pick to Sneed was terrible. He had a chance to roll out, or he did roll out, had a chance to run, 
decided to throw across his body deep into coverage and get picked. Has a big interception. And I do think he's going to end up being the starter for the rest of the year, even though Anthony Lynn did say that Tyrod is going to be the starter when he comes back. But I think that Herbert will be the starter for the rest of the year because he is their top pick, and he did look good against one of the premier teams in football and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, Justin Herbert, 22 for 33, 311 and two total touchdowns. That one bad pick obviously is not ideal, but it was his first start. You know, um, I think Miami messed up big time. They should have drafted this guy, and the Chargers got a big steal. Yeah, we haven't seen Tua yet, though. I think Tua is going to be exciting as well. (laughs) So moving on from Justin Herbert, we're going to talk about our layups, our previous week ones and this week ones. So last week, my layup bet was the Niners minus 7. That obviously covered. They destroyed the Jets. And this week, I'm going to pick the Niners again as well. They go, they stay in New York, play in the same stadium, play against the New York Giants. I think this is going to be another blowout. I mean, even though the Niners don't have some key pieces on their team, the Giants don't have Saquon. And the Giants don't have Saquon, they're not good. Even when they do have Saquon, they're not good. They, I, I'm taking Giants or Niners four minus four and a half every single day of the week this this week. Yeah, my pick last week was Seattle minus four against New England on Monday night. That did cover, even though they probably should have lost. It was a good play call at the end, you know. Yeah. LJ Collier destroyed the left tackle. Um, maybe if Belichick puts that fullback in motion, Collier contains. But, you know, the past is the past. <laughs> All right, yeah. and this week, my pick is going to be some college football. And my pick this week is going to be Army plus 14 at Cincinnati. This rushing attack from go. Army is crazy. Um, backup quarterback Christian Anderson on 31 carries, had 150 rushing yards and three touchdowns last week. Sophomore fullback Jacoby Buchanan on 20 attempts, 140 rushing yards, two touchdowns. It's like a next man up situation, you know. And Cincy last week played Austin P. You know, it wasn't a real test. And all these Mm -hmm. Cincy fans on Twitter. Like I said earlier, I've been following Boise State for the past 10 years. And anytime I say something about the group of five or adding Boise to the Pac-12 or something like that, they always come at me. And I don't like it. So, yeah, I'm I'm picking Army to cover the spread here. So... Even though he's not here today, we are going to look into Alex's uh, previous week and his best bet, and that was the Vikings plus three. I mean, we all took the Vikings thinking that it was not going to be a blowout, but we also didn't think that Kirk Cousins was going to play as bad as he did. But his layup was taking the Vikings by three. Yeah, that's more of a half-court shot to me. I did pick the Vikings in my daily picks, but... You know, that's as a good, a uh, quick little upset. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. putting my money on a pick like that. Yeah. So now we're going to go into bold predictions. Last week, we're going we're gonna to look at our stuff from last week as well as our stuff from this week again. Uh, my bold prediction was three kickers getting cut by the end of this week. And 
I don't think any kicker lost their job, honestly. The kicks were better than they were last week. I don't think anyone missed multiple kicks, if I'm not mistaken. But it's it was better, you know? It's something that needed to be better, and it was better. And I think a lot of NFL teams are happy with their kicker. You know, that's the thing. Um, special teamers have feelings, too. <laughs> you know, they didn't have preseason either. Maybe that's all they needed. Last week, I picked the Miami Hurricanes to upset Louisville. At the time, if you bet when I told you to, it was minus five Louisville. At kickoff, it was minus one for the Hurricanes. So you could have brought in mm-hmm. some serious money if you were listening to me. But yeah, De'Ara King is so electric, man. I hope he gets drafted next year. Yeah, I think he's fun to watch. We're also going to look at Alex's bold prediction from last week. He hit this one on the head with the Raiders beating the Saints. We all thought he was a little delusional by saying that. Even me as a Raider fan myself, I, I did not think we were going to beat the Saints. I was hoping, but I did not think it was going to happen. And he got it right on. I mean, props to him. He messed up his layup bet, but he got his bold prediction correct. And that does not happen super, super often. And that completely makes up for that tragedy of a layup <laughs> yeah hats off to you alex he also tied me for the first time in six years on the daily picks great job bud six years <laughs> okay so our, our bold predictions for this upcoming week mine is Cincy is gonna go into philly and beat the eagles and absolutely destroy what the eagles thought they had you know we talked about this earlier. It's saying that the Eagles really do need this game, and they really do. And I think Joe Burrow's going to say, F you, I don't care about you, and I'm just going to beat you. And if that happens, I think it's going to be something something crazy to watch for. I love it. I'm completely down for the Joe Burrow upset. Um, but my pick this week, it's more of a yearly prediction. I think Dak's going to break Patrick Mahomes' contract record he's going to be the highest paid kyle's already laughing at me he will be the highest paid player in nfl history you know 450 yards against atlanta i know it's just one game but he led the league in passing last year too it's time jerry pay the man you haven't had a quarterback in so long just pay him i i don't think i don't think prescott's gonna get anything like that i mean we see Mahomes getting a contract like that, and Mahomes is the only guy that should get a contract like that. Prescott is not on the same level as Mahomes, and I think that's pretty evident. But I do think Jerry Jones and the Cowboys need to pay the man. He's their guy, but I don't think he gets near what Mahomes got. They do need to pay him, and again, this isn't what I would do in Jerry's shoes. It's just what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Jerry's eyes were lighting up on Sunday. Yeah, he was pretty happy. So lastly, we're going to be looking at something that we're looking forward to over the next week. And I, my pick is very, very clear. It's very, very probably a popular thing that people are looking forward to. And that's the Monday Night Football matchup where the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs go into Baltimore and play them on Monday Night Football. Primetime matchup. Going to be super fun to watch. We were looking for this matchup last year in the playoffs. Unfortunately, we didn't get it, but we're going to get it now. I think the Chiefs didn't look as good as they looked last year in their first two games, but they're still very, very good. And I think the Ravens look better than what they did last year. 
So it's definitely going to be something that's fun to watch. Yeah, that's a great pick. Kyle stole that from me. Obviously, uh, someone's got to pick it. You know, it's mm-hmm. probably going to be the game of the year. Um, first come, first serve. But I have a great second option for you. Dallas at Seattle. We all know Russell Wilson's going to light up the Cowboys defense, but will Dak have another crazy comeback? <laughs> we'll see, man. I mean, that that Seattle defense is definitely not good. And if da- Prescott isn't, allowed, isn't able to light up that defense like Cam Newton did, I don't think he's going to get that extension that people think he should. This was a very fun show, Kyle. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, very fun. Unfortunately, we couldn't have our comrade in Mr. Alex. Hopefully, he's back next week. Hopefully, he does good on his midterm, whatever class that may be. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe he'll fail it. You never know. Of course. Make sure to check out episode three next Tuesday. We are now available to listen on the RSS feed that's linked on our Twitter, Spotify, and now mm-hmm. Stitcher. You know, make mm-hmm. sure to review it. Give us a five-star review. Hit it up. Tell yes, all your sir. friends. You, right now, I'm. you know you know who you are listening. <laughs> you know, you're that guy who's going to... We're talking to you, man. Yeah. I mean, if they make it this far to the end. But oh. yeah. Exactly. Also... Make sure you go follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Both of the handles on that are Imac Sports, I-M-M-A-C Sports. Go look them up. Go give them a follow. We do good things here. And, yeah, how's it going? The Distance Podcast for this week. We'll catch you next week. See you later, boys.